Went Trust Business Lunch, WGN Radio, and now Terry Savage on the Business Lunch joins us for her weekly Wednesday visit, the nationally syndicated financial columnist. Where do you want to start today, Terry? Let's start with what is literally breaking news in the last 24 hours about student loans. I know Ray will be back on again soon. In fact, she and I exchanged emails about this. This is really interesting. You remember the loan forgiveness program that the Biden administration put forth and uh, $10,000 forgiven on most loans, up to 20000 on uh, Pell Grant loans. And that was challenged in court. And that is still waiting for the Supreme Court to hear arguments on that proposal to forgive $10,000 worth of loan. And that won't even come to the court until the end of February. So in the meantime, the Biden administration has put forth another proposal. And this one, uh, like the other one, although there was some doubt about whether they could, as an administration, forgive loans, this one is just a major, major adjustment of an existing program called Income Driven Repayment. I won't get into all the details, but currently there are four of those very income-driven repayment plans, which uh, th- which is why you need Ray Kaplan to figure this out, um, because what Ray has done is basically uh, helped people figure out which of these plans they might qualify for that could really cut their monthly payments, and then at the end of 20 years, th- under those plans, the loan is forgiven. Now, as I said to Ray, this is bad for business. She said it'll be great for people, and they'll need help figuring this out. The new plan would have only one income-driven repayment plan. And it would cap payments not at 10% of the borrower's discretionary after-tax pay, but at 5%. And you would only have to make payments at all if you earned at least $32,800 a year. So if you make less than that, you're part of this new plan, your monthly payment is zero, and after 20 years of paying zero, your loan balance would be forgiven. So if you can't get a job because of your college education and ever earn more than that, your your loan would be free. They will also uh, make that forgiveness in 10 years if you've borrowed less than $12,000, and for every $1,000 you borrow at. Beyond that, you'll get one more year. But I'm going to give you some examples. I know it's very confusing, but let me show you this in practice. Uh, the great guru of uh, student loans writing for uh, for um, savingforcollege.com, Mark Kantrowitz, I believe, came up with this example. So currently, if you earn $40,000, your monthly payment on your student loan is $151 a month. It would go down to $30 a month. And even if you're making more money, your college education paid off, you're earning $90,000 a year. Currently, you're paying $568 a month on this loan. It drops to $238. But again, if you learn less than, earn less than $32,800, you would pay zero. And after 20 years of paying zero or even the smaller payment, the balance would be forgiven. Now, uh, there might still be state taxes and maybe even federal tax on the uh, forgiveness. But, um, and it can't, if your loan is already in default, that doesn't count, although there may be a workaround. And it does not apply to Parent PLUS loans, which I have advised against for years anyway. But this, the question is, so 
if they couldn't get the 10,000 forgiveness through, could they get this through? And I think there's a much greater likelihood. They have a 30-day comment period <clears throat> that will start soon and then a waiting period. And it's unlikely that they could, uh, that there would be a legal challenge because it's merely an adjustment of the terms, a major adjustment, a major lowering of the amount on which you, your income levels, the percent on which you pay, the amount of your monthly payment. It's just an adjustment to the terms of the existing plan. So I, I think this is headline news for anyone with student loans. And of course, right now, there's we're still in, in that period of forbearance and it will last at least until two months after the Supreme Court rules on that loan forgiveness thing, which is still in play. So, um, the and it wouldn't start, by the way, until summer of 2024, July of 2024. So what I'm saying is there's finally a chance for people who've been buried. The other thing, big thing is, as long as you're making those payments that they've decided are your new lower or zero adjusted payments, they can't add interest to the balance. So you don't wind up paying with this deal of paying interest on interest. That so was it's, the it's point. Amazing. That was the point that uh, Ray texted me this morning. She said, yeah. uh, say, John, your dream of no interest on student loans might be coming true with new income-driven repayment plan. There will be a 100% interest subsidy, which... Um, That's a good way to put it. I yeah. never asked for that. I just said, be reasonable. This is that and then some. It's 1215. Okay, stay right there, Terry. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Ray's going to join us on the show tomorrow. So be listening sometime between 10 and noon tomorrow. And if you've got questions about this, like, okay, now, so what do I do tomorrow between 10 and noon? We'll make sure that Ray joins us for that. I've got questions already from our listeners. Anything else you want to do before we but get rolling here? Yes, there is something I want to say. Okay. And just give me a minute. Imagine that. Go ahead. Okay. I just got a text from Ray because, you know, Ray and I have become friends. I just respect what she does so much. And she said to me, and I also think I have found a way to make Parent PLUS loans get qualified for this plan if it goes into effect. So you're going to look for Ray tomorrow. And then I heard the commercial for Carrie Peck, and it really struck me. What you have done, John, and um, General Manager Mary Boyle, is you have created a trio <laughs> of true. financial people yeah who are doing this show because we all three of us just really want to help. And we want to untangle some of the naughtiest problems. If Carrie Peck and I have done programs together. We have, uh, I have the greatest respect for him. He was on a, a podcast I did. The fact is, um, this whole issue of where do you get your advice? You've set up a forum for Carrie and Ray and myself, and you know who I might add is now part of our group, my new really great buddy, Siobhan Johnson of the FBI. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, uh, we just had lunch last week, she came to the Executive Club Forecast Luncheon. I think that we are turning your show literally into the place to go to get trusted advice. I'm, I'm just so excited to be part of that. Well, that's nice okay. of you to say, and, I, and honestly, I think you're right. I mean, just because I know what the texts and the phone calls are like when any of the three of you are on, and uh, it's it's one of those places where you don't know where to go, and who do, and and the three of you have been true resources for people, and but that's why I always say I should say this when Ray and Carrie are on, uh, Terry. But I always say when you're on, 
go back to our webpage after the show later in the afternoon and listen to the podcast of this conversation because Terry is so quick with the websites and the numbers and the contact information <laughs> that sometimes you got to go back and listen to it a second time. And I appreciate that. Okay. Well, thank you. Let's do it. So, hey, John Williams, can Terry explain the new RMD age increase? My husband turned 72 January 9th. Thank you. Oh, yes. I, I've been, you know, you had me stop for a minute because I've been watching this new Moderna discussion about their new vaccine, yeah. which is RNDA or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. And so my brain went the other way. Look, um, starting for those who turn 72 this year in 23, you do not have to take an RMD, required minimum distribution, from your IRAs, you can wait till next year when you will be 73. Now, if you had in the past started taking RMDs, you can't skip. But for all of those people turning 73, 72 this year, or younger people, you can wait till age 73 to take your first RMD. Do they annually adjust it based on longevity or no, actuarial no, no. tables is, or something? I, I hope maybe at some point they will. In fact, in 10 years, it's scheduled to rise to age 75, the way it's written now, and under the SECURE 2.0 Act. We'll see. A lot can happen in 10 years. The idea is, yes, you're right, that people are living longer. And, of course, for ev- forever and ever since it started, the RMD started at age 70 and a half, and it wasn't until 2019 that they raised it to 72, and now it's being raised to 73. So, again, if you're 72 this year, no RMD for you. Let's pick up another phone line and talk to uh, Allison. Allison, how can we help you? You're on WGN. So much for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller, and I love your website, Terry, and John, I love your show. Thank you. I am asking a question based um, for my son and new daughter-in-law. Are based, uh, Regarding the income repayments, are the income repayments um, that are will be a sliding scale based solely on the student loan borrower, or now that my son and uh, his new daughter, my new daughter-in-law are married, Will that be based on their new joint income? No, I haven't heard any change to this. Ray will text me if I'm wrong, because I know she's listening. But it's on the borrower's income. Based on oh, based on the borrower's okay. income. And, and we don't know. Again, we have no idea what um, uh, what's going to happen and how this w- might be implemented right. Uh, right. down but, the road. But the but thrust of that is, uh, if I may... Um, it doesn't double your income and then make you pay more because you're married. But it's not when you borrowed the money. It's your income now that you're seeking relief, right? It's your current income. Maybe your 2022 income statement, something like that, right? Terry's type Right, but still now. you would have to provide like a W-2 or something to show just what that one borrower, the, Ooh, the student I, I, loan okay, wait a is not joint. Stand by. That I was. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Because I had to look that up. I think I was wrong. The laws and regulations for income-driven repayment plans require payments to be calculated based on a combined income, including your spouse's income, if they are married. This is from studentaid.gov. Even if they didn't borrow. Keep going. Even if the spouse didn't borrow, the combined income is considered for the repayment. Oh, that's bad news. Okay, so that might be something they want to consider... Even, Before um, they get married? Doing t- Pardon me? 
Before they get married, they might want to live together. Well, they already got married, so I'm wondering, oh. should, would it be better for them to do um, file singly? You know, no, mar- no, no, that's not single? it. It's the household income. So they oh, require your spouse's name if you're married. Yeah. But uh, again, yeah, let's see what happens. I always said you marry for better, for worse, and for your debt. You know, in that book that I wrote with Gemma Allen, who was another one of your great legal experts on marriage and divorce, and my co-author on the new Love Deal book, we talked about that. But one of the things you want to discuss is your debt before you get married and I'll, who's paying for what. Let's think about your money right now. Nationally syndicated financial columnist Terry Savage on Wednesdays joins us and lots of calls and text messages for you, Terry. Okay, but I want to avoid a divorce. This is very important. Allison, who called in yep. earlier, under the, I want to just clarify, again, thanks to our good pal Ray, who and I are just texting with me. Under the existing rules for these repayment plans, yes, it is joint household income. One of the fine prints, and you can trust Ray to always know the fine print. I haven't seen it in any of the reports, but I believe Ray, she's read the report, says that part of this whole new deal is it would not be household income if this new thing comes to pass. It would just be the individual's income. So fingers crossed that the new pay, P-A-Y-E plan, which is this all new reduction of amounts you'd have to pay and the income on which it's based, that would also change it from being a joint household income for the calculations to an individual's income. So don't let those kids get divorced, Allison. They may get help from the government. (laughs) I've heard of couples where the husband did pitch to the wife, hey, let's get a divorce. We don't tell the kids. We file joint separate or whatever the best tax advantageous method is for us. Uh, The wife said, no, we're not going to do that. We'll we'll eat the money if we have to, but we're not getting a divorce for tax purposes. Have you ever heard of an instance where that would make sense for people, Terry? Oh, yeah. Lots of seniors live together for tax purposes. Um, and the marriage penalty, which is pretty much done away with, caused a lot of people to live together instead of getting married. There are always consequences of tax policy. This is Mike. You're on WGN Radio with Terry Savage. What can we do for you, Mike? You're on the air. Hi, Terry. Uh, if I have a 13-week T-bill and I transferred it to a 26-week T-bill, or if I rolled over a 13-week, you know, to continue going 13-week over again, um, do either situations trigger a 1099? You'll get a 1099 for all of the interest you earned during the year, whether you had two six-month rollovers. Um, because remember, T-bill interest is paid up front. There's no state taxes. But when oh, you buy it, right. <laughs> right? So it's paid up front. So all of the interest you accumulated, if assuming you had two rollovers in a year or four if you had 13-week bills, at the end of the year, you'll get a 1099 from Treasury telling you how much interest you earned. You add that to ordinary in- income. I hope that helps. How about this one? 630 says, do Series E or double E bonds ever stop earning interest? Yes, they do. They mature typically after 30 years, some previously after 40 years. And the way to find out if the bonds you hold have matured are to go to treasurydirect.gov. And there's a place where you could search in the box for uh, maturity dates of bonds or have my bonds matured. Then you can put in the year in the series that you have and they'll let you know, number one, how much interest has been accumulating. And two, when when they're scheduled to mature, after which they stop paying interest and that's the year you're supposed to cash them in and pay the taxes. This is Renee. You're on WGM with Terry Savage. Hi, Renee. 
Hi, Terry. Uh, hi, Jan. Hi, Terry. Um, Terry, I have a question. Um, we're getting older. We are desperately trying to get organized. Um, and one issue is we have a lot of things. Um, we're both very sentimental. We have things from our childhood, parents, grandparents. I mean, not enough. And, and I should say, too, many people my age are saying, like, our kids, they don't want the stuff, even if it's potentially, like, of value. They, they don't want these things like old toys, old jewelry, knickknacks. Um, do you have any advice? It's not enough to have an estate sale, but I do think some things, you know, that we could sell, it's just overwhelming. Do you recommend trying to do this on our own, like trying to figure out sure. how to navigate Look. eBay or go to a collector? I once, wrote a, I once wrote a column called Your Kids Don't Want Your Stuff. Welcome to the club. I mean... I have my grandmother's Christmas tree ornaments. And my kids, they have this modern Christmas tree. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, eBay yeah. exists because of people like you, and you can learn to be a seller on eBay. Now, some of the stuff that you value, you'd be surprised at how little you'll get for it. Yeah. And I think my, my recipe is just to hold my breath and hope that someday they'll realize this is really important stuff. My fingers are crossed, but I, I better not hold my. Or hold your, or, or cross your fingers and hope you, Terry, will realize it's just stuff, and it's. Well, when I'm gone, I, you know, I won't care. That's my attitude. Facebook. Go to mark- my basement. You'll see. Facebook Marketplace is where we have bought stuff. I know furniture items, mm-hmm. um, beds. Uh, we needed a, you know, not the mattress, obviously, but the bed. Um, I think you get a wider, wider audience for some of this stuff on eBay. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you? you or you could hire a company. Renee, you pay them a commission, but folks will come in and sort, buy, sell, donate, and trash. They'll do that for you, too, you know. Okay. Thanks for the advice. Okay. Yeah, leave the name of that company for your kids. Stick them with the job. That's my ultimate revenge. I, I hope I didn't sound crass there, but it's just, No, no, no. It's no, my experience, I, too. <laughs> All right. You ready for more? Yeah. This is, uh, let's go to a Ernie, I think it is. Ernie on line four. You're on WGN. Hi, Ernie. Hi. Um, I have a comment. Last week you got a call from a gentleman. He was 61 years old, and he had two young children, 9 and 11. And he said when he started taking his Social Security, would it be better because his kids would get benefits? You know, you said Ernie, no. You said let me stop. Hello? Let me stop you. <laughs> we hear you. I have been working on the terms of that. I could get right into Treasury, but I have a contact at Social Security who, because of the holiday, I frankly let it drop. I meant to do that for today. I was told by someone, and maybe it was you who sent me an email, that that was incorrect. So let's delay that topic, and I promise to answer it in full next week. Okay. Because I, I think I was in error on that. I just couldn't believe that. So, da-da-da-da, I'm still looking. Well, yeah. you said that you can't unless there's um, I a disability that, some, issue or I'm something like that. It. And that does am, make sense. I mean, your answers had a ring I know, of truth but I to think, it. Here, here we go. Um, here it is. Something on the Social Security website. Uh, when you qualify for your retirement benefits, your eligible child may... Adopted child or stepchild may also qualify. I wanted to go back and double check this, but this is from this website. To receive benefits, the child must be unmarried under the age of 18 or be 18 to 19 years old and a full-time student, no higher than grade 12. 
uh, or be 18 years old and disabled. Benefits stop when the child reaches age 18 unless they're disabled. But if they're a full-time student at a secondary or elementary school at age 18, that continues until the child graduates or two months after the child reaches age 19. Huh. It doesn't decrease your own retirement benefit. So I, you know, this is probably Charlie, Cha this is called the Charlie Chaplin rule who had babies, you know, when he was in his 80s. But if you are, if your child is unmarried and under the age of 18, yes, when you take your retirement benefits, your children may also qualify to receive benefits. There's social Security you're that. talking about, right? Social Security so, but, benefits but, but on your have, record. People calculate what their Social Security benefits will be. What are the what did the kids I don't get? know. What percent? I, or? I, for that, I don't know. And that's one of the reasons I was going to contact Social Security. And then this long weekend threw everything And then straight. the question becomes, and I know you'll get into this next Wednesday, is then does that inspire some people to then declare earlier than later because the kids can get money if they have young kids, even when they're older? And that's a calculation I'm, you got to make. I'm go You know, I will... Um, talk to uh, Larry Kotlikoff from MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com about that because I don't know that it says you have to wait until you collect for your children to collect those benefits. So that was, I'm looking at my notes from last week, I shuffled through this thing. That is one of the questions Good. I had. So let me write about it or t and post on my blog and also talk about it next week when I have all the answers. Ernie, we're glad you called. It's 1245 you, now yes. and we're out of time. So uh, part two of that, plus more of your questions for Terry Savage next Wednesday. Terry, as always, thank you. Thank you, John. TerrySavage.com to read her stuff. And now let's hear more business news on the Wintrust Business Lunch with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Car dealers in Illinois have filed an appeal challenging a court ruling that allows electric vehicle manufacturers Rivian and Lucid Group to sell EVs direct to consumers. The Illinois Automobile Dealers Association represents 700 dealerships and argues state law requires public vehicle sales to be done through licensed and independent franchise dealers. The lawsuit argues an entity can't be a manufacturer and dealer. Back in December, a judge ruled the Illinois Secretary of State was correct in issuing dealer licenses to the startup companies. The state had previously done the same for Tesla. The association says the decision gives special treatment to EV makers and results in a monopoly. A new ranking is out, and 14 Illinois hospitals have made the cut of best in the country. The list was compiled by HealthGrades, a consumer marketplace for finding doctors in health care. Cranes reports Ascension Alexian Brothers and Carl Foundation in Urbana are among the top 1%. Advocate Lutheran General in Park Ridge is among the top 2%. Northwestern Memorial and University of Chicago Medical Center joined the list this year and rank among the top 250 hospitals. That list also includes Evanston Hospital, Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest, and Advocate Christ Medical Center in Oak Lawn. Rankings are based on several factors, including performance and outcomes data. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Now the business of food, and Steve Alexander. Thank you, and let's talk about nature's perfect food right after I thank the Chevy Silverado HD for sponsoring us today. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Okay, nature's perfect food. <laughs> I know some people think it's pizza, but it's not. It's breast milk. Yes. Says Brittany Olson, a mom from Wisconsin. She and her husband have a dairy farm. They milk Holsteins and Jerseys. He and I are fifth-generation farmers, and we welcome the sixth generation 
generation when our son Titus was born on Mother's Day. But it isn't cow's milk we're talking about today. It's the breast milk that kept baby Titus alive after he was separated from his mom, taken to another hospital following an emergency C-section. And when we were apart, he got donor milk. And I thought, I would love to be able to give back. And wow, did she give back. I've donated over 1,000 ounces of milk. That seems like a lot. Yes, it is a lot. <laughs> Brittany is one of dozens of moms who donate their extra milk via the Mother's Milk Bank of the Western Great Lakes, which is... The Human Milk Bank. We're a nonprofit organization that collects breast milk from moms who have an abundance or a surplus. And we then redistribute that after testing and many, many safety procedures. That is Susan Urbanski with the Mother's Milk Bank, which is celebrating its seventh anniversary this week. The need is enormous and it keeps growing. Especially, she says, in NICUs, neonatal intensive care units. Those babies are at an increased risk of developing something called necrotizing enterocolitis, which is abbreviated as NEC. Neck is very often fatal, and the best way to prevent neck is with human milk. And while Susan Durbanski says, Milk donation is important because all babies deserve access to the best nutrition. Not all moms are able to breastfeed. So if you're a nursing mom, and as Brittany Olson describes herself, I was a bit of an overproducer for a while. The Mother's Milk Bank of the Western Great Lakes would love to hear from you. Most of our donors don't know that they're going to have enough milk to donate until after they've already started collecting milk for their own baby. Their website is milkbank.com. WGL.org. Oh, and back to Brittany Olson. How's little Titus doing after his rocky start? He is thriving. That a boy. Today is National Gourmet Coffee Day. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. ZJ Tong joins us now, the founder of the Chicago Chinese Cultural Institute. There's an event coming up that was so popular, it's sold out. ZJ, it's John Williams. You're on WGN. How are you? Good. How are you, John? Good. Tell me about the uh, Chinese Cultural Institute. What is that? What do you all do? Uh, we are a agency that we offer a lot of Chinese programs throughout the year. Um, particularly popular are our dumpling making programs, kite coloring program, paper cutting programs. We also offer, actually, I've been doing the Chinatown tour for the past uh, 20 years. And uh, we also offer Chinatown food tour for people who wanted to learn and experience Chinese, uh, you know, Chinatown, but also to learn something from the history and cultural perspective. Tell me about the 17th annual Chinese New Year dumpling making dinner. What's that? Uh, this is one of our most uh, popular programs. So we've done it, as you can see, it's the 17th. We only um, uh, were absent for about three years uh, during the pandemic. And we're, it's the first time that we offer it after the pandemic. Uh, it's on... Um, this Saturday, originally, uh, but that program is already sold out. We just added a new date on January 28th, which is next Saturday uh, at 3 o'clock p.m. in Chinatown at a restaurant called Hinki. So there will be storytelling, uh, lion dances, and everybody who came will join me in making dumplings themselves and followed by a, uh, a delicious meal, uh, Chinese meal. $50 for adults, $38 for children under 12. This is going to be on the 28th. So there's lion dances, dumpling making. Uh, you eat the food, I guess, huh? Storytelling as well. Talk about the dumplings. What's in them? How do you make them? What comes with them? How does that go? Well, the Chinese, particularly Northern Chinese, I'm from North China, and uh, dumpling is one of the major dish that we 
we make during the Chinese New Year. One of the reasons for us to do that is because it, in my family, it's a family effort. Um, my mom would be the one making the fillings, and then I'm the one making the dough because I'm the youngest. <laughs> Nobody wants to do the the dough, yeah. and then my <laughs> my brother would be the one. He's really really good at making wrappers, and then my sister, my brother, and I. And my sister, me, and my mother will join together in wrapping them up into the shape of a dumpling. And then at the end, when we finish, my father would be the one going to the kitchen, cook a pot of hot water, and boil the the dumpling and call everybody to eat. So it's such a strong tradition in um, among families that we always do it on um, uh, during the Chinese New Year time. Um, so because I wasn't usually during the Chinese New Year time, I'm always busy. So I wasn't able to go back to China to celebrate that with family. So I kind of twenty uh, years ago started doing, uh, you know, started with friends uh, to do dumpling making uh, dinners. Uh, you know, just continued to do that and became a tradition. I've had families who continue to come to my dinners for the past seventeen times, sixteen times. <laughs> they also signed up well, this year. At the event, will I will do the do the people that come participate in the making of it, or are they just your guests and you're doing all of the food prep? Well, I <laughs> I wish I would have like ten arms that I can make all of those. But what happens is I'm going to demonstrate how to do it, yeah. and then uh, the restaurant will prepare the wrappers and fillings because we don't really have that kind of time to prepare it right on site, right there. So everybody will join me in wrapping it up, uh, making it in the shape of dumpling. In Chinese tradition, the, dumpling, the shape of the dumpling looks like the ancient Chinese currency, uh, gold currency, which is called yuanbao. So when we are making dumplings, it feels like we're making money. We're making wealth. <laughs> uh, and then we're eating it, it feels like we're bringing these wealth and money into ourselves. <laughs> so there's a lot of symbolism in there. Wow. Okay. How many people can you accommodate? I know you've just added this second date, so sign up now. It's going to be at the Hinky Restaurant um, on South Archer in Chicago. You can sign up at eventbrite.com and look for the 17th annual Chinese New Year dumpling making dinner. How many folks do you accommodate per, per uh, day, per serving? Uh, each time we can host 70 people. So the, uh, we already started having people sign up to the one um, next Saturday, which is 28th. Uh, Eventbrite, uh, please look for Chicago Chinese Cultural Institute uh, and also the 17th Annual Dumpling Making Program. So that make sure that you can find us. ZJ Tong is the founder of that uh, organization, the Chicago Chinese Cultural Institute. And uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. It's the year of the rabbit, right? Yes, it's the year of the rabbit. And also, according to Chinese tradition, it's also the year of the water rabbit. Um, you know, water is very nourishing. Um, so we're actually, a lot of people are talking, uh, predicting that this year will be a lot of, a year of growth. And it's going to be a good year for all of us. Let's all hope that's the case. Thanks, ZJ. Um, agreed. I appreciate your time. Have a great event. Thank you so much, Don.